I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Right, everybody, welcome to the podcast. I'm going to gross you out. That finally has smooth legs. Yes, it's the Pack Filler Podcast in the Pack Filler Studios. I'm Pat Bulger. How are you guys? You can't answer that. You're listening to me. It's just my, my catchphrase or my crutch. I think it's all it is. Oh, yeah, you guys, I'm, I'm not saying that I've never had smooth legs. I'm just saying that I finally got around to doing it. I finally got around. You know that the season's approaching when you finally look down at your woolly mammoth legs if you're a guy or if you're a, I guess you, if you're a, a girl who chooses not to shave. I, I, it's your business. It's no big deal. I'm not sexist. But I, I look down at those things and I realize they're just disgusting. You know, when you're wearing cycling tights and the, and the hairs are starting to poke out, things like that. I just got disgusted by it and I went in and I did it and I think I had enough to stuff a small pillow afterwards. You're welcome for that visual. You're welcome. You're welcome. Speaking of your welcomes and thank yous, thanks to Noon Hydration. Boy, I bet they're really happy I segued from, uh, from talking about my legs to their product and and that I'm calling attention to it right now. Hey, big thanks to Noon Hydration for helping us out with the show once again. Noonlife.com, N-U-U-N-L-I-F-E.com. Great products. Um, I've been suffering through training this winter and things like that, and um, the Noon products have been getting me through it. Guys, I'm not making this shit up. In fact, I have yet to order any of my Noon products from Noon directly. I've just been buying them at my local grocery store because I'm lazy. Um, but it's been it's been great. I love the caffeinated stuff for my regular 3 o'clock crash. 
it's light. It's not too heavy. You know, it's 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 a good flavor, and you're getting the hydration that you need throughout the day. And I also love the electrolytes and the noon. I think it's plus. It's called, which is a little bit of that the, the carbo and the calories that you need when you're on some of these long early season rides. And I've been doing a mix of those and suffering through my training this year, and they've been helping me get through. Um, that is. I, I swear it's not necessarily a paid advertisement. I use the products. I believe in the products, and that's why we have them on the show. So big thanks to them. Check them out at noonlife.com. Well, I'm craning over my shoulder. Actually, you could probably hear it in the background. My wife's on the treadmill this, this morning. It's a Sunday morning. I'm looking out the window, and spring has left. I think I jinxed myself, you guys, with my ride outdoors a couple weeks ago. I in the lovely northwest, Spokane, Washington, one of the greatest cycling cities in the world, and I will defend that to my dying breath. But I'm looking out at approximately 10 inches of snow outside of my house, which means training as on alternative method right now, which means I got to say that if it wasn't for Zwift, I don't know if I would be on target at all. Did a three-hour Zwift ride yesterday. You guys know Paul Main from the live shows. My good friend Paul actually texted me halfway through, found out I was on a three-hour ride on Zwift, and said I was breaking natural law. He says no rider should ever spend more than an hour and a half on a trainer lest he worry about breaking the twig and berries. And he he might have been right, but I made it through. I made it three hours, had to get off every, you know, I'd get off every 20 minutes and do some calisthenics, some squats, some sit-ups, push-ups, things like that, just to kind of break up the monotony of a three-hour ride. And it actually worked, you guys. I have, I think I've told you guys about this. I have Zwift on TV. I have my headphones on and I'm listening to audiobooks or podcasts, heaven forbid, right? But in this case, I'm listening to audiobooks, and I just finished uh, North Norse Mythology, Neil Gaiman, good book, recommend it, and I just started The Boys in the Boat, which is, I'm, I think I'm behind everybody else on that. Good good book so far as a guy who rode in college. It's an interesting, it's a great read. It's, it's kind of waxing nostalgic, but it's a good book, even if you haven't been in a boat pulling an oar. But I recommend those. And so I'm listening to these things, and it's a great way to get through these long, long shifts of training. I got to say, I love the Apple TV app. I have the newer Apple TV, and Zwift has an app on that. The, the graphics are clear. You can pair your Bluetooth heart rate. You can pair your your trainer with it that quickly and easily, and it just goes. Everything just finds itself. I do find myself that I have to reset my Apple TV probably every third or fourth ride. Just unplug it and plug it back in, and I find that I need to calibrate the trainer probably once a week just to make sure everything's legit and everything's working so you get that resistance, that feedback, and things like that. But it's, it's, I've loved that app. It's been a great way to do it. I used to have it running through my computer and then the computer uh, plugged into the TV. But now that I just got rid of all that just by getting an Apple TV. So, uh, you know, I'm not endorsed by any of these companies, but I recommend it. It's kind of a cool way to get that set up. Also, VirtuGo, a new 
player in the virtual writing world, uh, started by a bunch of people, including Michael Rogers. You probably know Michael from his his pro days with Tinkoff, with some of those other big squads. I think he was a telecom writer for a while. I could be wrong, but uh, great writer, has great perspective on this kind of stuff, and I've been added as a beta tester, so I'm going to have to drag the computer back in and, and try out Vertigo and see what that stuff is all about. Um, so we'll, we'll have to see what it's like. Oh, anyway, I should probably get to the show. Oh, before I get to the show, you guys, um, if you guys are interested, great thanks to Eric Solberg and Castelli that we are about to offer the Pack Filler Cycling Kits for 2018. You might have seen the green and the black. We have a pink and black now, and we also have the newest design in homage to the good old-fashioned generic beer cans of the 1970s and 1980s. I think it was around then. Remember those beer cans with just beer on it? We've got the nameless, faceless pack filler, because that's what we are. We're just the nameless person in the, in, the, in the pack who's just passionate about cycling. And so we've got a generic pack filler kit. I actually think it, look, think it looks pretty cool. We've got it up on our Facebook page, and I'll put them up on the website. Here shortly, if you're interested, uh, we're going to sell them for a song and uh, no profit. We just want to make sure people are out there. And if you're part of the podcast, if you're part of our family, you can purchase those things. Does that sound sappy, saying part of the family? Well, if it is, I love you, man. Okay, that's that. All the plugs. Uh, Before, I guess, no, we're ready to go. Let's do it. Dave Toll is our guest today. Dave, you probably know if you've ever been to a large race, fun perspective talking to a guy especially from the announcer's perspective the entertainer's perspective the difference between a live event announcer and a tv commentator dave has mastered the live event announcer i'm gonna just shut up let's get to dave toll on the pack filler podcast All right, everybody, if you have raced your bike at a big event, you have definitely heard or heard of today's guest. He is uh, what many would consider the voice of cycling in this country. Let's welcome to the show, legendary announcer. And I might have to announce, uh, uh, say that he's also a podcaster. Let's welcome Dave Toll. How are you, man? Hey, thanks a lot, Patrick. That's really nice of you. Well, you know, I like to start on a good note and we'll just go to <laughs> downhill from here. Hey, you know, your voice synonymous with bike racing. Um, I, I always like, and I, my listeners probably get pretty, you know, formulaic here in terms of what we do. I like to start with perspective. How, what is your history in cycling and how did it come to this point? Uh, yeah, so I was lucky enough to, or, if, you know, depending on your perspective, I grew <laughs> up in Boulder, Colorado. And just through the randomness of life, sort of like uh, I love the book Outliers uh, because for me, the cycling thing was the equivalent. I grew up in the neighborhood where the Redzinger and the Coors Classic were directed out of like the the director of that race. Really an extraordinary promoter, Michael Eisner, was basically my next door neighbor when I was 12 years old. (laughs) And so that really started me down a path, oddly enough, never really had. Uh, never even close to having talent as a cyclist. I've always enjoyed it and I'm really getting back into it now. Uh, but uh, never ra- racing was never my skill. So I had to figure out another way to stay involved with the sport. And for a, wa- a long time, it was being a mechanic or working in that realm. I did the like product design stuff at Raleigh up when I lived in Seattle and uh, did neutral race support for Shimano for a few years in the late 90s and team mechanic work. But then 
uh, when the announcing opportunity happened, that was truly just, man, it was it was awesome for me to be able to get to do something I love and still love so much. As a matter of fact, I think my passion for it might be greater now than it's ever been. Did you, was it just a one day, it's like, hey, nobody's, you know, making any race announcements? Did you have a broadcast background or was it just kind of luck of the draw? It kind of random. Again, Michael Eisner comes into play in my life where this is now, I haven't lived in Boulder for 15, 20 years, but he contacts me about working for the Saturn cycling team okay. back in the early, early 2000s. Uh, doing the roadshow stuff for them. We had a bike race in a box. It was called Cyberbike, a virtual reality bike race that would go to auto shows. <laughs> and riders that were kind of in the doghouse with the team would get sent to the Minneapolis <laughs> Auto Show for seven days to have. And I, for the first time in my life, I was always like the guy who would go up and hang out with the announcers, with Michael, and give him c content. Okay. You know, like, be like, hey, it's that guy's birthday. It's and a lot of people do that for me now. Still, you know, they'll come up and they're like, hey, did you hear that Peter Sagan, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And it's something you didn't know about because you were announcing for the last hour. And yeah. this news just broke that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. And so I always kind of would be there to help and try to just make the show better. Uh, but then ultimately, when uh, uh, the Saturn Cycling Classic happened up in Breckenridge was the finish. I was doing Saturn Cyberbike. I'd been doing it for more than a year going to auto shows. I mean, now and then we'd go to events. And because this was a Saturn-sponsored bike race, they wanted to bring all the bells and whistles that Saturn had. And the, this Cyberbike thing was part of, you know, if you went to the race, you had a chance to get on a Le Mans bike at the time that we used Le Mans and get on what was CompuTrainer, kind of a pre-Zwift world. Oh, yeah. um, and it actually was, you know, pretty damn cool for the time. Zwift blows, you know, you know, Zwift has become the next level of that. But at the time, it was rad. And we'd have plasma screens and people could race. And uh, so I was all set to do that up in Breck for the finale. That's where the, the, it went Boulder to Breckenridge, 140 mile one day classic race. It happened three years. <laughs> it was called the Zinger yeah. the first year. And then it became Saturn Cycling Classic. And the announcer, who's a guy I ended up doing all the tour to Georgia's and Cal a lot of California's until Brad Soner took over in the 2011 edition. Um, uh, before that, it was Jeff Roke and he was the man. Oh man. I mean, there was the Jeff was the guy. I know He's Jeff. Your neck of the woods. He yeah. lives in Portland and uh, was definitely the preeminent voice of cycling at that time. And uh, tons of respect for Jeff. And he, um, uh, yeah, I, I, he couldn't make it to the finish due to no fault of his own. Same thing, I-70, why we didn't record yesterday. <laughs> uh, he uh, got stuck on 70 trying to go from the start in Boulder to the finish, normally in a car, that's a two-hour drive for seven. Like when Scott Moninger won the race, it was a seven-and-a-half-hour day. 14,500 feet of climbing, oh, right? Jesus. Yeah. yeah. They were over 12,000 feet. That's tree line here in Colorado. They were over 12,000 feet for an hour and a half that day. Oh, my God. It's, I mean, think about trying to breathe and race your bike and all that. But so that's why I love this sport so much. These guys are insane. Uh, but – yeah, so Roke couldn't make it to the finish, and they so Len Pettyjohn, the organizer of the event, was like, "Well, who's our next closest announcer?" You know, I mean, and yeah. I was like, "Me." <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, and I was a hundred, it was like, sort of like that Eminem song. You only get one shot. I felt that. <laughs> Mom's and, spaghetti. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 SpaghettiOs yeah, on yeah. my throwing up my SpaghettiOs yeah. or whatever. But no, I was super pumped and it was a weird, weird, uh, convergence of events because I grew up in South Boulder where Chris Weary grew up. Yeah. Chris became us pro road champion. He was one of the coolest guys, still a good friend. His father passed away of cancer that week of the race. On Tuesday, Chris's father died. And on Saturday, the race was happening. So this is four days later. Oh, my God. And so I know the Wearies really well. I would have Thanksgiving at their house some years. <clears throat> when my family had moved away from Boulder and no one else was here, the Wearies became a default Thanksgiving for me for many years. Wow. And uh, thanks to Lee Weary, Chris's mom, you know, she really helped a lot of folks in Boulder stay connected. Yeah. And uh, so, so, but Chris ends up soloing to that race win. As I'm announcing, his mom and sister and brother Charlie are there and Kathy and Lee and everybody uh, is crying. It's very emotional. And I, I didn't know the, I didn't have any idea. And it took me many years to understand the protocol of how this announcing works. Mm -hmm. And like, just know, uh, you know, like if there's a crash, shut up, stop announcing, turn the music off and let the paramedics do what they do, yeah, right? Yeah. Your comments or anything could never help. But you just sort of need to know, or you know, someone needs to tell you that, or you need to have a real innate sense of what's right. And when you're when you're on the mic, and when you got ten thousand people and shit's going sideways, yeah, you know, like uh, a good example too would be when Tom uh, Squigeons is crashing and uh, continuing to ride his bike when he's clearly concussed, yeah, at Tour of California, and you know, uh, th th these situations are really touchy. So, yeah, ultimately, though, going back to your question. No, yeah. <laughs> Chris wins the race. It's this insane, like, the fact that I'm announcing for the first time and it's at that level. Like, I never did a Cat 5 uh, parking lot criterium. You know, I mean, yeah. I have since. Yeah. But at the time, I never had. All I'd done was virtual reality bike races at in mega auto show complexes. With, and like, and literally it'd be like Milwaukee auto show nine fifteen at night. We have to be there at till 10 and we've got the same two 10 year olds racing for the eighth time. <laughs> and I'm announcing it like it's the finale of the final stage of the, on the Champs de Lisee of tour de France. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, so, so what do you consider, you know, since we're there and since you've got, we've, we've kind of naturally drifted to that point, what do you consider the role of the race announcer? What is, what is the primary responsibility and how does it all kind of come together? Well, that's a really good question to tell you the truth. Cause I think that everyone perceives that differently and that might be the secret to your success or the reasons why some guys don't make it. Yeah. And, and I think, well, a lot of it has to do first is understand who you're working for. And that's the organizer of the event. And, uh, you know, ultimately you really need to get a, get a feel for what, how they want this done. And, and, you know, you're going to need to tweak your style to, you know, uh, announcing it, the Dana Point Grand Prix is a little different than announcing it Tulsa Tough or announcing it, uh, uh, Tour of the Gila. Yeah. Now, tour of the Gila on the Saturday day, I do a lot of more of explaining and telling you who these people are and why they're outstanding and trying for that crowd because you get a few thousand people who don't know bike racing, but they know Silver City. 
yeah, they know but... New Mexico. They don't need me telling them about, uh, you know, Ghost Town Mogollon. They, they know that. It's their lives. Yeah. I, they don't need some guy coming from Boulder to tell them about what Silver City's like. Yeah. What they want to know is who is that lady? Okay. You know, like where did she come from? Why is she important? And does she have any chance to win this thing? Uh, and, you know, and so, so, but, but if you're announcing a master's in road nationals, it's like recognizing like, Hey, just so you know, that's Wayne Statna yeah. and here's who Wayne Statna is, or that's, you know, uh, these, some of these people are significant for their past. Some of these people are significant for what they did yesterday and trying to highlight the athlete and keep it positive. So the, yeah, that, to answer that question, keeping it positive, being informative, trying to highlight the achievements of folks. And certainly there's other announcers out there that, uh, and you know, absolutely not, don't need to name names or anything, but who will try to highlight failure and, wow. or say like, Oh, this person is, you know, uh, t you know, t t terrible today or whatever it is. Yeah. And that's just not my style. I, when you see that, I say good for them for keep on fighting. Right. Yeah. You know, then that goes over much, much better with it's oddly enough, the, you know, the people that are really listening surprise you sometimes. Well, how how does and, it, go ahead? Oh no, and I was just going to say, and I want you know when like let's just say, as someone who has uh, dealt with my own weight issues, right? Let's just say that there's some cat five dude who weighs 250 pounds who's getting dropped out of the group, right? Mm -hmm. But he continues racing. Uh, that to me is, uh, as heroic as the guy attacking off of the front who's super fit and is, you know, maybe sandbagging a little bit and is going to win this thing in a solo break. Yeah. Um, to me, the guy who won't give up, who the officials have to whistle two laps to try to get him to quit, you know, and his mom or girlfriend or, or a buddy from work <laughs> or whoever it is, is there watching. Yeah. And I don't know who they are. But I definitely want them to leave understanding that what you're watching is someone showing heart. Well, the job's got to change too. You're you're mentioning, you know, the the highlight, you know, let informing people of these of these great athletes and their careers, and kind of informing and educating the audience that might be there. That's that's one element. But then you say, you know, you've got a Cat Five guy who's nameless. You know nothing about him. The job is constantly changing in terms of what type of an event you're you're covering. You know, a crit's going to be different than a road race and, yeah. and things like that. So, how do you adjust in terms of what that might go, or is it just kind of on the fly? Well, if you want to be a you know a full time professional bike race announcer, and there's probably honestly three guys in North America that could tell you that that's really truly how they make their living. Yeah. And so if you want to do that, you better be adaptable and through the full spectrum of racing, understand what matters here. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's like I am jazzed, you know, interviewing Peter Sagan at a press conference or, uh, you know, on stage every morning at sign in at Amgen Tour California. That's insanely cool. And it's not lost on me how awesome that is. Uh, and, and so, you know, I, I treasure those moments and then. But the weird thing that connects all these dots is that Cat 5 guy who's been to Tour of California is pretty damn pumped when Dave Toll happens to be at San Dimas stage race and is announcing his Cat 5 grip. Yeah. And, and so instead of mailing it in for those guys or, you know, I don't know. I don't know any other way to do it. And sometimes people 
other colleagues or uh, officials would be like, Jesus, dude, are you going to go like this all day? <laughs> you know, like if, if, if we are going bananas for a preem sprint at 8.15 in the morning for the cat force, what's going to happen at four o'clock in the afternoon? But you, you end up finding a rhythm to your day. And, and, you know, like I'll take a few 15 minute walk arounds, you know, go clear the head a little bit and, you know, maybe chat with a friend that you haven't seen for a while and then come back and announce. But, uh, you know, pretty much uh, I really treasure those days of, of the all day uh, North American criterium, whether it's Dana Point or Tulsa or whatever it is. I love that. I love the work, the in interaction I have with the one to go guys or the timing and scoring people. We have fun. Yeah. You know, it's a cool gig. And, and I always like to remind everyone, you know, don't forget that. Don't get too serious or get too pissed off. Are there downsides to it? I mean, I, I can personally yeah. think of some events I've had, you know, I've been announcing where, you know, I've got kids vaping into the pack or something like that, or, you know, or, or people come immediately yeah. to you with their complaints or something like that. You know, what are some downsides to it that are not necessarily downsides or difficult moments? It's funny. Like, so just because of recent circumstances in my life, I haven't really announced for two months. Right. Yeah. And. Uh, I'm, I'm going to, next week. I'm heading to Georgia to work, but and I'm excited about that. And so it's, I'm at a, in a position where I couldn't be more stoked to work. And I haven't really thought about those things for a long time. You know, the I, I always laugh. Like there's some stories about just how people are so disconnected sometimes at events. Like I remember <laughs> calling a final sprint with Gord Fraser and Mario Cipollini with Lance Armstrong in the field uh, at Tour de Georgia one year. And uh, I, I couldn't be giving more to 2004. I couldn't be giving more uh, uh, energy. Uh, it's been like the last hour has just been like I'm sweating through my shirt. With, <laughs> and, you know, like you can't – it's just a really weird energy when you're announcing that hard. Yeah. Um, and the sprint happens. Call it right. You know, I'm still really green at this, so I'm as pumped as I can be. Like the adrenaline, my adrenal gland is wide open. <laughs> like it's just tapped. And I go to the back of the stage and I'm feeling really good about myself. And this like, you know, kind of middle-aged dude who doesn't really look like a sports fan or whatever, uh, taps me on the shoulder kind of aggressively. And I'm standing at the back of the stage and he's on the, like, uh, it's weird. He's on that, like standing on a cement thing and leaning over to touch, tap me on the shoulder. Yeah. And I'm like, I, I'm thinking he wants to say like, Hey man, awesome job. Yeah. Or, you know, you killed it or something. <laughs> so, so I kind of make this big effort to lean over and I'm like, yeah. And he's like, Hey, do you know where the shaved ice guy is? <laughs> and I'm like, what? And he's like shaved ice. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me! Like, yeah, so humbling. Yeah, yeah. Like, just... and people don't, you know. It, yeah, I. So, I think the thing that really my pet peeve, maybe kind of going circling back to your question, is when people come up and they will tell you something that you have literally in the last oh, five minutes just you. clearly announced. Yes. Like, like it'll be something like Jeannie Longo, the French champion is in our field. And you mentioned she's a five time Olympian yeah. and held the world hour record. And you talk about her for a minute, right? 
And some guy will come up and be all aggressive and be like, dude, are you going to talk about Jamie Longo or what? <laughs> you know, and you're like, dude, I just, did. you know, yeah, I don't know what I can do for you. Yeah. Oh, no, I get this. I, I'm thinking of one instant in particular. There was a woman who was had a massage table booth there, and she wanted me to announce that to all the athletes that she was, you know, 15 uh-huh. bucks for sure, 15 minutes. Plug her, plug her massage yeah. thing. So she yeah. hands me a piece of paper, and um, I, I announce it, kind of a thing like that. And she kept coming back like every 15 minutes. And I'm going, first of all, there's nobody here. Yeah. All the athletes are out on the course. I know. Why are you bugging me with this shit? And then she'd complain to the race director, you know, and I'm going, oh, so Jesus. annoying. <laughs> and it's also, it's really interesting too. It's like, look, it's the, you get more honey with flies than yeah. vinegar. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like if she comes up and it like manages that relationship better. Yeah. I make sure that a couple times when it makes sense that yeah. I do an announcement to yeah. tell like, Hey, all the riders are back. And now would be a great time to tell them that your massage is happening. Yeah, exactly. You know? While we have the eight volunteers standing here, yeah. <laughs> I don't think I see that we're moving it. your needle, lady. But <laughs> oh man, so yeah, in all the oh, in all... right, you should hear the stuff off mic, right? That you oh yeah, oh god yeah, yeah. exactly. No <laughs> shit. Okay, I'm glad to hear that, you, that that it's the same problem at at my level of covering events and your level of covering events. So it's the same problems. It just amplifies so is there in your years of doing this is there a time you consider to be i guess we could call it cycling's you know uh, we're, did we have a prime have we have we reached it um or is it is it yet to come what do you think well that's a again uh, i really appreciate your time this this interview is well <laughs> worth mine um you know i think it's one of these things that you sort of uh is it joni mitchell you don't know what you got till it's gone yeah I don't know who did that does that song, but I think that applies in a way because at the time, 2003, four, five, I think I was so new at uh, announcing in general and being at that high level and all the Lance Armstrong awesomeness is happening or at the time awesomeness, right? Yeah. Like there's a lot of money coming into the sport. There's a lot of new events, you know, tour of Georgia is successful and there's a tour of Missouri happening and now there's a tour of California and it just seemed like everything was going every week. It was some new cool thing happening. Right. Yeah. Um, and I mean, in early in my career, I was spending like having dinner with Robin Williams or having dinner with Patrick Dempsey, you know, <laughs> they were hanging around the sport. Yeah. And, and that doesn't really happen anymore. You know, those, those not saying those guys are gone. I mean, I would, I would be surprised if we didn't see Patrick Dempsey at one stage of tour of California and that, you know, that kind of thing, but it's not the same as it was, um, that, that fringe, that, uh, aura of star power yeah. and interest. And like, this is cool. I think now we're, we're, we're really resetting things out there. I think USA cycling is doing an awesome job of like getting back to the core of what's important here. And, you know, uh, you know, th- there's a lot of American races that uh, I, I mean, I always look at the Tulsa tough example of, boy, if you do it right and you build these things right and, and, and you know, you kind of follow all the fundamentals of good business, um, yeah. which is sort of the theme of Malcolm McCollum and what the Tulsa tough people are about or Dana Point, another great example of that. Uh, you know, these races are well run. They're not shady fly by night organizations. 
And, you know, uh, so these core races are, you know, important for people who are, I think, built, you know, another guy who deserves credit is Mike Weiss and what he's doing in St. Louis with Gateway Cup. That's another awesome race yeah. that's been around. It's multi-day and well worth your dollars. Uh, if you vote with your dollars as racers do, these are races you should go to. You should be in Tulsa or St. Louis or SoCal, Dana Point. But but, um, you know, it's a tough time. I think that, uh, you know, with the numbers being down and organizers are, you know, I, I, I haven't really weighed in on the, the I saw a few months ago. It was a pretty big topic amongst some some of my colleagues about bike race entry fee being way too cheap. Wow. Right. Yeah. At, at other sports wow. like Tough Mudders, when you look at the value and the cost and, you know, well, what's associated with putting on an event, bike races offer this incredible value. Uh, and, uh, you know, maybe they do need to charge a little more, but then there's this incredible resistance from, from the racers out there. Yeah. So, you know, I, I don't, I think that, uh, again, like anything, if you have a good product, a good course, uh, you know, good organization, racers will come, but it has, you know, we've definitely weeded out some, uh, poor performers out here. It kind of reminds me of like, if you're running a restaurant back in 2007, eight, nine, you really found out whether you were a good restaurant or not, right? Yeah. Because a lot went out of business because the economy was tough and people were, didn't have as much disposable income. And they don't. there's not as much money floating around in North American cycling right yeah. now. I think that's a fact. Yeah. I, you know, I, I talked to Bart, Bo Bart Bowen a couple weeks ago on this show about— It was a great episode. Thanks, I really appreciate Bart and Cascade. And yeah, without and Bart keeping Cascade alive, we were going to have a major, major problem. Yeah. Well, and that's what my region here where I live, we have now—it's—honestly, we're down to one weekend road race in, in the Spokane area for the whole Gosh, season. And there used to be all that, like the Walla Walla race. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And, yeah. Yeah. And, and now we're down to one weekend race. We've got some weeknight races. Events are being canceled. And, and you talk about a successful event and what goes into that. I t uh, Bart mentioned some of the things that need to go into it to make something workable. Um, are there elements that, that set some of these events or, or, or some commonality for these successful events, which you notice they have and that other events need to kind of pick up on? Well, yeah. I mean, I think that ultimately, if you can't build a strong uh, core group to manage your race, like it's not going to be just Bart. It's going to be three or four other people really leaning in around Bart. And then it's all about volunteers. Uh, you know, you have to be able to connect with your community and, and because unsafe, you know, if you're trying to put on road races and you need bodies out at, uh, crossings to, you know, people with flags to make yeah. sure racing is safe and just, I mean, it takes an incredible group of people to put on a bike race. Yeah. And it, yeah, uh, so it comes down to managing relationships and Bart's going to be fantastic at that. Yeah. Um, you know, that was a, a, I think a big reason why, uh, if, if, Cascade was going to survive. It needed to be a bend local that was running it. Yeah. And Bart was that perfect combination of national. You know, he was a, uh, speaking of Saturn, he raced for the Saturn team and was a, you know, national champion in cyclocross road, just all around dude of his time. Really well respected, uh, you know, pro road champion guy. Yeah. And, yeah. um, yeah, he, he was the right man for the right time, as they say in the big Lebowski. Yeah. Um, and and so thank goodness they in uh, moving the date I think that'll make sense for them I think Cascade is really uh we're lucky that the, everything's worked out the way it has 
Same thing with Gila, man. Jack yeah. Brennan and what he's doing down there, just incredible. And uh, Michelle deserves credit too. She's just, I mean, it's Jack is always who you hear about, but it's a team down there. And they have an incredible group of people that have been around them to keep this race going for 35 years. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and it, I think Cascade is right at that same, you know, Cascade, Redlands, and uh, Gila all started right there in the mid 80s. They all start at the same time, and they're all still alive. And I think Redlands is coming back a bit right now as well. It seems uh-huh. like it has to be viable to the community also. You know, you got your core group and people like that. A lot of these races that I'm going to are getting pushed to the outlying areas of communities out in the middle of nowhere. Nobody wants to come and watch it. You don't get any locals outcoming, no, no business benefits. They're closing off our, our roads. Yeah. I can't get my commute to work now. And so it ends up hurting these these events more than anything. Uh, Isn't that the truth? And, I mean, you look at so, – so Tulsa Tough, two of those nights – the, they go right to the Blue Dome District and the Brady District, which are that is where people go to have beer and party and have fun in Tulsa. And I mean, you bring the race down and it turns Athens Twilight style. Yeah. yeah. You know, like so all the businesses love it. It's like that's Tulsa Top is the biggest night of their year. Wow. You know, what is and you, so the, so clearly. Uh, you know, the, the the local community and the organizers have a good thing going. And you're right. You know, when you're putting on a bike race and all it does is block, block uh, uh, you know, neighborhood yeah. local residents and delays them at intersections, they get pissed. Yeah. It is. It is amazing to me. There's an example of Chris Grealish who puts on just awesome races. He's a super guy in Boulder. Uh, and he, did, for a couple of years, we did a race or he did a race that I announced at, uh, Harlow Platz, which is this beautiful little park right over by where I went to high school, uh, by Fairview high school there, Vili Lake. And uh, one resident who happened to have the ear of a person on the city council uh, and who yeah. got blocked because their street happened to be where the staging was for the first 200, the final 200 meters to of the course. Right. Yeah. Their, their driveway was on the course. So if they if they drove up, they you know, the volunteers were coached up and told to like, you know, we'll get them to their house as quickly as we can. Well, it took five and a half minutes for this person. You know, they were delayed and they ended up getting the race shut down the next year. Uh, One yeah. person. Yeah. You know, yeah. so that's how fragile this ecosystem is, man, between sponsors that can go away in a heartbeat or a, a resident that might have clout to shut you down. Man, it's hard for organizers to build much legacy, isn't it? Oh, God. Yeah. Do you think we're in a slump or do you think the sport is changing? I think we're coming out of a slump. We think we're coming out. OK. Um, I think, you know, all the all the BS that surrounded the negativity. Well, you see, I, I work with Zwift, like uh, subcontract with okay. them for stuff for the last couple of years. And it's really weird because, and man, also at the Velodrome, but we didn't really see it at the Boulder Valley Velodrome, where I thought you're going to see record number of people who wanted to get off of the road, yeah, uh, but who still wanted to ride. Um, and I, I'm sure those people exist, but man, gosh, there's something about road cycling and God bless them that people just do it. You know, I mean, they just something about the experience. It's so visceral that, uh, you know, Zwift is awesome. If it's early in the morning, late at night, you can't get outside, you know, but oh, yeah. here in Colorado, there's plenty of days where it's way too icy to safely ride. Yeah. 
Zwift is incredible, but there's nothing quite like really riding outside. And for that reason, I think bike racing will always survive. It just seems like it's in human nature to me. I always make the joke like the bicycle was invented, you know, back 200 years ago on a Wednesday morning. The first bike was finished. <laughs> the second bike was finished on a Thursday afternoon. The first bike race in the world happened on a Thursday afternoon. You know, like <laughs> as soon as there were two bikes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that they were racing against each other. I can other. go faster than you. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I, I hope so. You know, we're seeing, uh, obviously the rise in, in events such as Fondo's things like that. Uh, mountain biking doesn't seem to be suffering at all. No, but... it seems like, you know, like if you put on kick-ass events like Todd, uh, with Epic rides, yeah. you know, you do fine. He's maybe kind of the Tulsa tough of mountain biking, yeah. right? Sort of a little bit of an outlier. There's less events, but there's some people who do it right. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. But uh, yeah, I, I, I was looking recently, the Rock Cobbler event down in Bakersfield, California, kind of getting some uh, outside of cycling media attention because Sam Ames there is, is a really uh, creative, progressive guy. And he's doing things like having the race go through some dude's living room. And that's the kind of thing that gets makes people laugh. It gets yeah. people's attention. It get, lifts people's heads up from their phone. Yeah. Go. Oh, yeah. Amen. Okay. So in, in your in your career of announcing things like that, um, if you had to pick kind of best and worst, well, actually, first of all, do you ever find yourself? I mean, I. I don't know why, but I think if I were to be standing across from somebody like Peter Sagan and, and interviewing, there might be some some starstruck nature. Do you ever run into that anymore, or is it just like, uh, here's Peter, let's talk to him? I got to be honest, in the early years with Lance, right? Yeah. That helped, that helped coach me up quickly. Yeah. Because in the first events I'm doing, that you know, the, here's the big one of the biggest star, sporting stars in the world, and I'm at my first ever of you know major events. Yeah. Um, so I kind of like, uh, yeah, got over that really quickly. And I really <laughs> realized like, oh man, I want to make sure I present this event and myself well, and don't really get too, you know, yeah. especially, you know, it, not at all jaded. I appreciate who all of these people are and what they do, but I also appreciate like be in the moment. And I can't stand with when I have colleagues that are taking selfies or when you have security people who are taking selfies and doing that crap. It is so unprofessional and annoying to me. So, you know, like asking for 
Like, I don't have a, anything autographed by Peter. Yeah. Why would I? You know, I feel like that would devalue my relationship with him in his eyes. Yeah. If I started asking for autographed world championship jerseys, I think he'd do it. And then he'd be like, screw that guy. <laughs> you know, like I, it's much more enjoyable when you see him and he's like, hey, man, where'd you get those glasses or whatever? Yeah. You know, like he's into just normal talk. Yeah. And and, and, it, and it's sort of like seeing someone that you'd only see a couple times a year and he but he knows who you are and you know who he is, but you're not going to waste his time. Yeah. And, and making sure that the the conversation you're having with him over the mic or on TV or something like that, you've got to be able to, be, uh, you know, float, know what you're going to ask, not, not any kind of a, you know, close-ended question where it's just a yes or no response. And oh, man, like and that. in the first years, I mean, you have to remember, he barely spoke English. Yeah. So if you tried to get any kind of fancy with your question, you would, it, he just <laughs> didn't answer it, and and I totally don't blame him. And it was that was the art form is like, understand that you're asking this question to a pre-kindergarten level <laughs> English person. Yeah. Right. You have to talk. I know Brad and I talked about that. You in 2011, if you wanted to ask him a question, you had to ask that question like you were talking to a three year old. Yeah. I'm not kidding. Simple monosyllabic words and everything like that. He didn't know English. He knew 200 words and they were thanking my team. Yeah. (laughs) So, but now that's changed. His English is, he's there now. You know, that's, uh, that's no, he, he, I wouldn't say he speaks perfect English, but he knows exactly what's up. Yeah. Is there a best and a worst interview you could mention that you've ever had to go through? I I do know a funny one. (laughs) <laughs> but it wasn't me as much as uh, it was Jeff Roke early on yeah, in the cancer years. Okay. And uh, it, it, they had a like a, a $2,000 preem sprint in a, in a town, Milledgeville. I even remember the name of the town, halfway through the stage. And they were going to present that check at the final state, uh, at the final podium. And um, so someone from that town... And it's sort of unclear how it all happened, but got got this young kid, this 10 year old kid was going to present the check because he was a cancer survivor okay. and everything was Lance centric. So because this kid's a cancer survivor, he's going to present the check. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be one of the first presentations that we do. That This is sort of early tour to Georgia. There's always problems like when races are new about just getting the presentation, you know, running smoothly. Yeah. And so there's a big delay. They're waiting for athletes. And uh, Jeff decides to interview the kid, which is <laughs> always a risky proposition, man. <laughs> you know, like professional athletes, you got to assume that they're coached up on how this works yeah. and what we're looking for. And, you know, but this kid doesn't know he's 10. And so, but also it's so Jeff is like, you know, kind of goes into his classic rope, uh, you know, uh, there's champions amongst us in the Peloton. I reference one Mr. Lance Armstrong. And there are also <laughs> champions visiting us from Milledgeville, like, you know, little Johnny Wyatt. Johnny, a cancer survivor, and Jeff had uh, very little information on it, but he made it up kind of, you know? Like, we didn't know what kind of cancer. We didn't know anything. Yeah. But bravely... This young man stared cancer down and said, no, not me, 
not me today. <laughs> and the crowd is like, you know, people are like now standing up and looking over like, what the hell? What the, who is this kid? And so Jeff is like, Johnny, any words for the crowd? What would you, what, what would you like to say? And the kid goes, uh, I don't have cancer. <laughs> Oh. And he didn't. And his mom lied and oh. told the organizers, hey, my kid's got cancer. Can he present the check? You're Thinking the kid would meet Lance Armstrong in this whole thing. Right? <laughs> so this mom is horrible. Like, but I was just thinking, like, the whole, I was like, oh, but God. for the grace of God, there go I. Yeah. Oh, my And Jeff God. is just like, oh, well, good. You know, like. <laughs> <laughs> congratulations yeah. yeah congratulations neither do i <laughs> but but uh at the moment i was like i don't know what i would have done you know so oh, that yeah. kind of made me think to myself like all right when this kind of stuff is happening i want people to be very clear with me who this is and what we're doing here and you know oh yeah just just having it because it an event like uh, you know California or Utah, they're shuffling people on stage every few minutes to do an interview or you know, hey, this guy's with this company, and it's like, well, you know, is he? You know, what do they do? Yeah. Or like they're like, you want me to interview someone, and all I know is that he's associated with Amco <laughs> or something. You know, like where do I start? So that's where information is is a powerful powerful part of doing a good job now what's the difference uh, between a live event and then working the maybe the tv end of things like that i mean how much more of a different of planning and operation goes into that well that's good that you know i would say for sure that i think uh, my talents are much more uh, better suited at the live venue pa yeah. public dress thing you know i enjoy doing tv and it, like you know it's another thing if you don't do a lot of it it's hard to get good at it and you work with so many different producers and webcasts are always someone different doing it. And you never develop a relationship really with the producer because you only do one event a year. Yeah. And so it's that's a real challenge. And, and the enthusiasm is so uh, the intensity enthusiasm thing. Um, that's I think really probably if you were looking at the scorecard, I probably do a little better in that department than on let's say accuracy or, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm selling myself short, but, uh, but you know what I mean? Oh, like, no, absolutely. I'm much more like, you know, one to go, one to go is definitely, if you are, if you've got 2000 people ringing cowbells and there's a, yeah. just a ton of energy, it's really fun. And people are like, that's just like iconic, you know? And it's sort of like who it's what I do and, but not on TV. Yeah. And it's really weird when you're doing something like Tulsa, where your your live call is also the web call. Oh, wow. so there's there's a few thousand people actually with Tulsa. There's twenty thousand people watching on the web that are hearing the call that's you know going live to the crowd. So that's a little weird. I I always let you know it's kind of a bummer because it sort of makes you look bad as the commentator when people are like, man, this guy's an idiot. Like this screaming is insane. It's like, but if you really knew, you'd yeah. know, well, he's actually announcing to a couple thousand people yeah. that are right in front of him that are waving flags and holding banners and stuff. 
Well, you know, it's almost like the, buying a live album from a band or an artist. They're right, gonna, well, the, I mean, and doesn't it always like the live album sucks, yeah. right? But when well, you're there, usually, you know, yeah, when you're there listening to, you know, I, I, I got to see the Foo Fighters a couple weeks ago. That's a hell of a show, you know, and, and it's just, I don't know how they have that kind of energy. That's the same kind of a feel in what you're trying to create as an atmosphere at the venue. Absolutely. Imagine that you watched that same concert through somebody's iPhone. Yeah. It wouldn't feel at all cool. No. Right? Yeah. So, no, I, I totally know. So, yeah, but uh, going back to your question, for sure, it's it's uh, it's not quite apples and oranges, but it's maybe lemons and limes when you talk about TV to live. Um, and, you know, I, I mean, I, my colleague Brad Soner definitely wants to do more of the TV stuff, and I get it. And it really comes down to just opportunity because, yeah, not many races, uh, you know, we really need to get some kind of a national criterium calendar with 10 races that are all broadcast or webcast yeah. through the same channel with consistent graphic packages and uh, athlete profiles and, you know, kind of do it a more well-rounded well -rounded look at the whole thing rather than just hit and miss, just jumping into some random city and a criterium going on there. Uh, try to get consistency to it. Yeah. Kind of reminds me of when we used to have the old Wheat Thins series. That's, yeah, interesting. That yeah. That's probably the best example yeah. that you could find. You know, the only difference, I think Wheat Thins were great, and part of it was the mayor's cup element, yeah. right? Yeah. The the mayor's office would get involved, and that helps grease the wheels. And, you know, when the mayor's behind the event, a lot of things happen for you yeah. and you don't see many like td bank in boston was one of those last like major american cities that has a criterium in the city you know i know threshold back when they were doing philadelphia that you know philadelphia would happen that was in a city san francisco was right in san francisco but outside of those races, there weren't a lot. I know I'm missing some here, but the, in a, you know, there is no downtown Chicago crit. Yeah. It would be more like in one of the suburbs of Chicago, right? Or, uh, you know, not, not that anything's wrong with that. Downers Grove is awesome, but yeah. it's not uh, on the Miracle Mile. You know, there, there was a race on Wall Street one year. Um, you know, but the, when's the last time you saw Criterium in Manhattan? No, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I feel Vegas, like they do a crit in Vegas. They yeah. do it in the uh, Mandalay Bay parking lot. They certainly don't touch the Las Vegas Strip with that race. Yeah, which, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It almost seems like it could be. Let's be honest. The, tra the car traffic on the Strip is is absolutely useless. But, but that's oh, a well, whole screw Vegas together. anyways. <laughs> I could care less about, uh, you know, like trying to get a. I've heard in the past them talking about well, who, which race will be the first to go to Las Vegas, tour of California or tour of Utah, and I'm hoping neither. Yeah, you know, a team time trial down down the Vegas Strip. I, I you know, it's not compelling to me. No, no, yeah, I agree. There's nothing compelling to me about Vegas. I'm very anti-Vegas. Yeah, oh, me too. To be honest, so. Yeah. This is this is actually more just for me. I don't know if my listeners are going to like it, but how heavily do you rely upon music, and how important is the important is the music? Is it something you choose personally, or is it just iPod hit random? Don't worry about it. Boy, is that that has been gone across the spectrum for me, where I'll t I put a huge emphasis on it some years or in periods of time, and I was just kind of looking at my music for next year, 
it's always been frustrating with just like iTunes and and songs not playing. And it just it's been a back when I used to when I first started, you kind of need to own your own PA system. Yeah, and, oh yeah. And uh, I don't anymore. And I'm th- you know like if the race can't afford a PA system or we're not at that level, then I'm not probably the right guy for you anymore and so uh, you're, you're killing me i have a basement full of sound speakers and stuff oh like that God. so I, i'm the poor I, idiot I, still I, carting I, that shit around i think <laughs> that uh, my old pa system still lives in a family member's basement somewhere on the west coast and uh <laughs> i have no interest in ever doing that again what a pain in the ass that was <laughs> uh it was really the power right and just oh yeah uh, yeah Ugh. Oh, I, uh, yeah. The same, you know, it's funny. Same thing with podcasts. We're doing the making the podcast. It's easy. I love doing that. It's the lining up the guests. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's the hard part of the whole thing. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. So it's always, it's always, but yet, yeah, I know. I think music is super important, especially stuff like call up music. Like I love doing a big monster call up. Yeah. And, you know, that is really dependent on getting the cool music and timing it right. And like leaving that 10, 15 seconds of silence before you kick in with your call up song and having a plan for it. And, and you know, like, yeah, I love that. I love that. Uh, awards music is really significant, too. You know, like playing the right John Williams stuff or whatever <laughs> it is that you use. It's nice to have that figured out. Um, and then during the race too, you know, it's like, I, I like having music that's, you know, fits to, I have playlists like morning music, which yeah. will be songs that sort of like you just turn on the PA at seven thirty in the morning, you know, maybe we should start with some Simon and Garfunkel or something yeah. here rather than going right into uh, thrash <laughs> punk or what, you know, oh, like, yeah. which, you know, and then obviously you have to weed everything for language. I'm okay. not going to. Not going to make that mistake again. Oh, God, yeah. No. Well, I probably will knock on wood, right? But <laughs> um, that, uh, that is an experience of having a, a really pissed off parent come over and be like, what in God's name are you playing? Yeah. And that experience is not good. And it's not fair. That's not good business, right? No, absolutely. Yeah. I've been, I've been, uh, I've been away from the announcer's stand and I've heard a song come on that I thought I had removed. And I'm like, wait, this is a Green Day song and that's got an F bomb in the middle of it. I, yeah. So I run over there and try to fill it with something where I'm talking over the top of it. So hopefully yeah. nobody hears that F bomb come through. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I hear you. Is there a. Is there a ritual or something like that that you have to follow to get, you know, do you have to, is there, I know my dressing room needs to have a bowl of just green M&Ms or something like that. Definitely not. No, no. Pretty easy going. I kind of like, I mean, when I'm, when I'm getting started in the morning, I kind of like everyone just to, just like to be aware of what we're doing and where we're at and uh, like, so not a ritual per se, but I'll kind of look at the timing and scoring guys. And it's just nice to have that head nod and be like, you guys good? We ready here? Everyone yeah. good? Yeah. Officials, right? You guys good? There's no car on the course or anything that I don't know. Like, you know, they sort of like clear the deck with everyone. I'm going to like, hey, everybody, because all a lot of people are passive aggressive on that stage or, you know, yeah. like I can't stand that. I, I, that is one thing like. When you're sitting there and you're like miscalling, a, a, you know, it, it happened to us in Cincinnati two years ago. And it was very confusing with this 80 percent rule that they were starting to apply in uh, in cyclocross. And they'd start ringing the bell for riders. But 
that yeah, it, yeah. It, I mean, I don't I need to get into how confusing it was, but it it certainly was confusing. And there was a point where a colleague and I are misannouncing, like we're like, and here comes these two guys, yeah. and they are now one kilometer from the finish. They are now fighting it out. Here's an attack from this guy, and this guy's covering, and and the officials are looking up at us. And and one of them is shaking his head, <laughs> right? Like shaking his head, like no. And we're and I'm kind of like, uh, then well, what? he would do something more than just passively shake his head, no. If we're wrong, because we're announcing this to the whole crowd, and this is a UCI level race. Oh shit! And he and he, I was so pissed because no, he knew that we were wrong. We were wrong. And I, I'm, I mean, I'm being a man about it. I'm admitting that we were wrong. Right. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how much more you can admit. It's like, look, you're right. We were wrong. Why didn't you say something? Why did you let another three minutes of us miscalling this race rather than raising your hand and saying, no, they don't have this is not the finish of the race. They're going to have one to go when they come through. Oh, God. And. And that kind of shit really pisses me off. So I kind of like, you know, with the with the officials or that whole state group, I'm like, use your voice. If you see something that isn't right, don't just passive aggressively let it happen. Your responsibility is to be proactive. Yeah. Here. Throw me a bone here. Yeah. Yeah. Don't let us ring the bell if it's not right. (laughs) Or vice versa or whatever it is. And so. So, I mean, that doesn't happen often. And I think so many, it's worth noting, like, gosh, so many of the officials are just awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I, I look at some of the, the people that I work with from that world, and they're the best. They're the, you know, just reliable, trustworthy, doing the right thing, on point, good at what they do. But, you know, every now and then, just like anything, I mean, I've worked with some announcers that are awful. Just awful. Like, just you should not be doing this. Radi- and, and radio within guy a year or, something or like whatever, that. they're not. Yeah, radio guy or something like that. Who's yeah? Used to that those kind of guys style. can be brutal. Well, those guys, if they their best thing is to acknowledge that they don't like ask a lot of questions. Yeah. Rather than try to pretend like they know what's going on, you're better off to defer to the expert, but be enthusiastically interested. Okay. Or just right. yeah. no, provide some know, sort of racing is not intuitive. Yeah. Provide some sort of a, of a, of a support in that situation. I wouldn't see somebody necessarily, right. if I was going to come up to announce with you, it's like, no, this guy knows his shit. I'm just going to kind of provide a little bit of color here and there and yeah. hopefully cover everything else. You know, you're taking a you 15 minute that's walk. Why, that's why I stopped doing any running events. Um, for a while there I was doing rock and roll marathons Yeah, and I hated it. I didn't enjoy the, community. I didn't enjoy the people putting on the races. I didn't want to be there. And I didn't know what I was talking about. Okay. And, and, and I was not a good fit. And I was amazed that they continued to want me to do it even like where it's just like, look, I suck at this. And, uh, the best thing I ever did was just, you know, back out and say, look, I'm just not the right guy. Yeah. And understanding that I'm not the right guy for a triathlon. I'm not the right guy for ski racing yeah uh because truly the 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 thing i bring is a true passion for bike racing yeah pretty much any kind of bike racing to be honest 
Like I've never done BMX. I could get totally into that though. Really? Yeah. That would be no problem for me to get into that because I know what those guys are about. I understand how it works. I just haven't done it. Yeah. Okay. No, I, but, I know the feeling I've done. I think I did a, a world champion telemark event once and I had no idea what the freaking sport was about or yeah, a snowboarding I did one event. Telemark, I did one skiing event yeah, too. Yeah. And you just, yeah. <laughs> I can't even get going. You know, you can do all the homework in the world, but if you don't know, but you don't know the lingo, yeah, yeah, right? And exactly. you don't know like, Oh, well that dude is really famous. Cause he won this thing five times. You just don't know. No, exactly. Exactly. And and you know what? I don't want to be that guy because I'm critical of that guy myself. If I go to a bike race and I heard someone doing the job that I did at Rock and Roll Marathon Vegas, I'd be like, this guy's a clown. <laughs> like he doesn't know anything. He doesn't even know the terminology. Yeah. <laughs> so. Shit. Yeah. So what what keeps you going outside of announcing what what do you do when you're not heading to a bike race and grabbing a microphone you know I, obviously you got to talk about the podcast you do but what else keeps dave going well i mean it, uh boy it's funny with the olympics on i'm definitely a sports person um i uh i uh, enjoy i really enjoy it's unfortunately is the worst time of year for disc golf here because it, it's not so much that the snow is an issue, it's the wind. Yeah. Wind, really. But I love disc golf. Really? That's something I truly enjoy. Um, that's, that's become a bit more popular in America the last few years. There's more and more disc golf parks and stuff. And actually, Dirty Kansas, you know that race? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. In, in, in Emporia, Kansas, which is sort of the de facto like ground zero of disc golf as well. Really? Yeah, they have multiple court. Like oftentimes, the World Championships is there, and uh, that one of the disc Innova, the disc manufacturer, okay. is there. Wow. Right near where you do the start and finish of Dirty Kansas is the, a manufacturer of a majority of the discs that you know top level players like. Kind of weird. I know so very little about disc golf. I, I have a trail network where they're out down near my house where I'll use that it's area, a, it, and there are guys yeah, there all the time. It's funny, it, like, well, with the see, with the bike race announcing thing, you do have plenty of time off as well. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and disc golf is a good hobby for someone who's got time off, <laughs> you know, for sure. <laughs> um, and I've really, actually, so I had a, a medical, I had a, a issue. I, I'm a type 2 diabetic, and I didn't know it. And it was a big thing in my life a few months ago. Uh, and... Uh, so I have been really uh, Zwifting uh, every day. I think in the last 40, 45 days, I've probably Zwifted 40 hours. Oh, yeah. So so I'm really getting on it. That doesn't sound like a lot if you're a pro. I mean, I, so I'm oh. doing seven, eight hours a week now. But on Zwift, that kind of translates to about 10 hours of regular riding, I think. It's a little harder. Oh, yeah. You, know, you never stop pedaling on Zwift. No, so. exactly. No, I'm a huge fan. In fact, it's strangely enough, as soon as we finish up here, I've, I got three hours that I got to go sit on that damn oh, thing. Oh, God. Today, I've never so. done three hours in a row. My longest is two, and I've, oh. I've built it up, built up to that. Yeah. But, but I, it's been great. I mean, I, I definitely, it, I'm really happy. To tell you the truth, it makes me feel so much better about my Zwift stuff announcing because now I know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> it was a little bit weird when you didn't like, you know, I didn't even know that they had levels. Oh, yeah. Right. For the first year that I was doing yeah. Zwift stuff. But they were hiring me because I to work with like Lawrence Tendam and be 
accent the personality. Okay. Accentuate the personalities, not be a Zwift expert. Yeah. But, uh, and I'm certainly not a Zwift expert now, but at least I know what I'm talking about. I, I, I wrote on the, the Mayan expansion, the yeah. jungle loop yeah. today. That's what and I'm going to do today too. <laughs> I, I just got to level 10. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm not going to rub yeah. it in, but I'm going to hit 20 today. So, you know, oh, yeah. yeah. yeah it's go. funny. I was just having <laughs> dinner with uh, Katie Boiling, who's with the, or was with World Bicycle Relief and now in Gamba yesterday. Oh, wow. And I, was, I told her I was on level 10. I was like, what level are you? And she goes, oh, uh, <laughs> 25. Yeah. It stops at 25, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Then she goes, but I was beta. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, dang. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's, I, that's killing it. Right, exactly. Shit. But you know what? I love it, man. It's been it's a cool community. It's yeah. been one of the funner. I'm, as things have shifted in the sport, Zwift has been a pleasant addition to just uh, you know they put on great events. They're really good people, and they're good for the sport. Yeah, no, I I agree, and everything I've I've experienced with it. Well, there's the a new one coming out that I think Michael Rogers is trying to to push there. But I mean, talk about no offense to him, but an uphill battle that that's going to be because this community has just hit I, huge. I, yeah, in the time that I've known them, I kind of it's, I don't quite know them right when they came out of beta, but I it wasn't too far into it. I didn't realize how new they were when I started working with them. Yeah. Um, and uh, but so going down to their Long Beach uh, head, well, their North American headquarters, it's really a neat office. And for a long, when I first went there, it was like barely a third occupied just all kinds of empty space and now they've had to in just two years they have a whole nother facility an mm. annex that they had to move people into and uh i mean it, there it seems like every time you turn around they're hiring someone new wow and and it's just like this energy there that is not cheap no <laughs> when you look at you know all of the the software code code writers and stuff that they have I mean, there's like 12 people Really? Hanging out over in that corner, grinding. I mean, like they're there at seven in the morning and they're there at ten thirty at night. It's insane to wow. me that you know how hard they work, and I don't know how you would compete against them. But good luck. Yeah. You know, I'm sure, it, 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 like they say, right? Like, and I've always felt this with announcing. It's like, hey, if there's another guy who's really good at announcing, more power to him. Yeah. And I, I you know, he'll make me better then, because I'm going to want to kick his ass. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, that's the competitive nature, right? That's why countries like Belgium are so good at uh, cyclocross or Norway is so good at winter Olympic stuff because you're around people who are good and that makes you get better. Yeah. That's a great point. You want to be the best, right? Yeah, absolutely. And your podcast is definitely kicking my podcast ass. So <laughs> I got a lot of work to do there. Well, don't worry about it, man. You, you, like I said, you have a, a first name basis with a lot of these people that I'm still stalking through Facebook. So I think you, you might have it when it comes to that. Yeah, I guess there's something to having put in the time. Absolutely. Exactly. Right. Shit. Well, Dave, uh, first of all, you know, thanks for, for making this happen. You know, you and I had a couple speed bumps trying to get everything dialed in, but this has been a, a great talk. Thanks for bringing the energy to the events and, and understanding that that is a very important responsibility. Sometimes, you know, I'm sure you probably get people complaining, you know, or something like that. When you hear it, uh, somebody look at you and say, God, are you going to calm down? No, my job is not to calm down. My job <laughs> is to create an environment and make people excited about bike racing. And, and thanks for being such a big part of that. 
Hey, I appreciate that, Patrick. Awesome. Thanks a lot. Hey, keep up the good work yourself, and I'll see you at a race soon. Thanks, man. Can you hear it in the background still? I I don't want to turn up the mic too high. Wife's still on the treadmill. She's still going strong. Badass. I can't run that long. I think she's going to split it up between the treadmill and the bike, though. So we've got some tandem rides to do this this summer. So she's she's taking it seriously. Meanwhile, I'm sitting in a studio just talking to you guys. Big thanks to Dave for coming on. Uh, again, we're getting we're getting a perspective and an insight into what's going on with the sta- status of American cycling and where everything is headed. He thinks we're on an upswing. We're out of the we're out of the bad and we're moving into the good. Hopefully, 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 Dave has his finger to the pulse and we can figure out why races are being canceled, why we're losing uh, participation numbers, and hopefully we can get things back on the right track. Ah. <sighs> You guys, this has been fun. Uh, planning a big series of live shows coming. Seattle, Portland. Uh, I think we're going to go down to Bend, especially around the Cascade Cycling Classic time. We're put, putting all these things together. And I got a couple of fun things happening in the near future. Badass Backyard Brewing in Spokane, Washington. Spokane, Washington is going to be the next venue for a live show. So if you're in town around the time we advertise these, come on over and see us. Or, hell. Just download the podcast. Speaking of the podcast, be sure and subscribe on iTunes. Like us, rate us, rank us, hate us, whatever the hell you want to do. I don't care. Guys, if you have the ability to get out and ride, get out and do it. I really am ready. I'm starting to go a little stir crazy. So hopefully we'll be able to get some miles out on the road, out on the trails. And if you're doing it, I'm jealous of you. We'll catch you next time. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.